Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about common regrets that counselors have in their practice. Heather, this week we read Five Regrets of the Counselor, published in Counseling Today 2021. And the first point within the article was the importance of being yourself. Do you think you've ever struggled with being yourself as a counselor? Absolutely. I think I've struggled with being myself as a counselor. I think I've also struggled with being myself as a supervisor. Mm. Oh, tell me about that. So like when you first have that seat, like, okay, you're officially a supervisor now. This is like your green light. I almost felt like I had this regression of like, wait, I'm not really like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like, oh, huh. oh, am I really that good? Like, I mean, I did this class and I got mm-hmm. certified to do this, yeah. but I don't know if I should be. Sure. I get that. It does feel like if you do the 40 hour a week or 40 CE See, thing. Yeah. I remember it feeling like, ta-da. Right. Like the end. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you did I'm, it. I'm really there already. Right. Yeah. I, I can imagine that. I think maybe the difference for me and the reason I didn't feel that is significantly is because I took the class and it felt like a pretty long period of time before I actually had someone I was supervising. Ah, okay. So I kind of got to think about it, wrap my head around it before, before I actually was had like putting it into place. Yeah. Got it. So maybe I didn't feel right. as much that way. But be yourself. I th- maybe I relate to that more as a new counselor, which I think mm-hmm. helps me as a supervisor when I see new counselors struggling with this, mm-hmm. that they are maybe trying to emulate their professors right. or the program they've been in. Did you know that there's research that shows that a really high statistic, I'm, I mean, something significantly high, like 80% of students identify with the same theory that they're the te- the professor, the teacher they had in their theory class did. Oh, interesting. So that whoever taught you your theory class, you kind of follow in line with that, oh. whatever theory they had. Hmm. Or, I mean, and similarly, if you're in a program that had a strong bent towards, towards some, one theory right. or one mm-hmm. perspective, then you end up with that same perspective. And I've seen, I've had lots of supervisees that finish school and almost feel like they're in trouble or doing it wrong right. if they're not doing it the way that they've been shown or taught. Right. And so I value and think about finding your own direction mm-hmm. in that. I know I've mentioned in this, the podcast before that when I finished school, my program and the play therapy classes that I took were strongly leaning towards humanistic mm-hmm. perspectives, mm-hmm. so like child-centered play therapy. Right. And I really... I knew I don't think I felt like I was doing it wrong, but I felt an inner conflict that I could not use it the way that I'd been taught and the examples I'd been shown in school. I was not going to be able to do it the same way in my practice and in the setting that I was in. Right. And I felt really conflicted in that. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, what am I gonna do? Right. This is wrong. This if is I wrong. can't I'm do it the right, wrong. right. Right. So I really relate to and understand supervisees when I see them struggling yeah. with that too. I've had supervisees that struggle with this when it comes to almost just some of it in the actual therapy part of doing therapy, mm-hmm. but even in like note writing. Yes. They're like, I was taught this way. I must do this kind mm-hmm. of soap note. Is that okay with you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what would it be like if we just wrote a few sentences? But getting to break outside the box of like how a note has to be written mm-hmm. or like how like you're doing this on your own. You're a real counselor now. So you get to make up what you want on your own. Yeah. You can have some way of doing it. And this isn't my example, but it's an example that I think is really a good example, a good description. Mm-hmm. I've had a handful of different theory professors, but one of them that I really admire talked about, have I told you this before? She talked about, I think she was a professional counselor for 
40 years. Wow. A really long time. Probably, I mean, I think she's still practicing, so maybe we're 50 years. That when she went through school, her program was very strongly based, like the only perspective they provided was (laughs) behavioralism. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which tells you she's been practicing for about 50 years. And the dream job that she wanted, she actually got. She Mm -hmm. left school and she got her dream job and instantly realized there was no way that she could use behavioralism right in that setting. And she immediately thought, I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to go and do some self-study and figure out what I can do that will meet the needs of these clients. And she landed on a different theory. And her point in telling us this in the beginning of her theory class was that over time, we develop as human beings, Mm -hmm. and then therefore develop as counselors. And so all the time you're working on being yourself, you're always working on what will be the next right fit, Mm -hmm. whether it's for you specifically, or for the situation you're living in Mm -hmm. or working in. I think that's always a, a fit. It's called fit. So I think when I, as a supervisor, I try to be transparent Mm -hmm. about the fact that I'm still working on finding that fit for myself and that it changes over time and that me as a counselor, I've changed over time so that my supervisees know it's not just acceptable. It's part of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It's part of the process. Right. Heather, the second common regret in our article that we read don't work so hard. Do you think you've ever struggled or have you ever seen a supervisee struggle with don't work so hard? Yes and yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it happens both ways. But I think especially with supervisees that come in they're they have a number of hours they're trying to accomplish. Oh, yes. They're trying to get everything done. Plus, sometimes maybe their internship isn't paying them enough. Mm-hmm. And so they need to have another job. And so they're constantly balancing too many pieces of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. I think it also plays into how we look at the world. Like what is working so hard? If you're doing your notes until one mm. o'clock in the morning, every single night, that's ridiculous. Yeah. No one should be doing that. Yeah. But how do you tell someone to stop that if they're that far behind in doing their notes or True. doing, you know, so it's like yeah. that dynamic of like, where's the, where's the middle ground? Well, so the last time I taught at a university, I thought this, and I think it is what you're saying too that on one hand, we're begging and asking and preaching Mm -hmm. students and counselors to have good self-care and good work-life balance. And on the other hand, the systems that we are constantly involving ourselves in, universities and agencies Mm -hmm. and the practice of being a counselor, is also at the same time saying, do more, work faster, get your hours, Mm -hmm. And it's a conflicting message. And so then how do we find that balance? Right. I've had people come in and for whatever life choice, like, oh, they just got engaged. And so they want to get married Mm -hmm. next year. And so they want to get all these hours done. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. wait, this Mm -hmm. isn't, this is not going to be beneficial to you down the road. That's not like take your time and learn some of the things you're going to learn. Yes, it's great to get hours where you can get them, but don't be in that position where you feel so panicked about hitting that next, like the next marker. Okay, I got 500 hours done this month. No, you actually didn't. You didn't do any, you didn't do it well. Yeah, know? yeah. That's true too. I, the, I mean, in a lot of other professions, the quality of the work doesn't matter nearly as much as what we're right. doing. So maybe you crammed in your 1,500 direct hours mm-hmm. in the minimum number of months that your state will allow, right. but... Did you really reap all the benefits of that experience? I don't know. Exactly. So I, to me as a supervisor, when I do have the authority to manage that, Mm -hmm. 
I think I want to help manage that for yes. my supervisees yes. that I'm telling them this is the number of hours I expect mm-hmm. you to have mm-hmm. in a week or a month. And more than that, isn't necessarily something I'm going to praise you for. Right. Or, right. I remember a job that I had, I could have just moved in. I could have just lived there. <laughs> there and just the Right. And I got to a point where I, I think it, it sounds maybe not healthy. I don't know. But I think something that I said to myself that did help me was every afternoon, evening, when I would walk out to my car to the parking lot, I would tell myself, job well done. Okay. And is there, I will get back to it in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I'm letting that go. I'm leaving it in the office. I know I feel confident that what I put in today was good effort and good hard work. And could I have done more? I don't think so. Right. And so I'm going to let it go. It's really good. That it'll be there. There will always be more work related to people. Right. I learned a trick pretty early on, probably very like when I was trying to get all those hours in and Mm -hmm. getting everything balanced Mm -hmm. and done was if I got in my car and looked at the clock and I was going to be back at the office in less than like 10 hours, that wasn't okay. I was not okay with that. If mm-hmm. I had to be back, maybe I had a 7.30 meeting the next day and I'm leaving the office at 9. Ooh, yeah. I would just be like, oh, that's not. And granted, that usually meant the middle of my day I was off for some time. Mm-hmm. But, wow, I knew then that like, oh, that's not a good dynamic for me. Like, I need further space. I need to be able to go home and unwind, not go mm-hmm. home and get in bed. I mm-hmm. needed to have like downtime. Yeah. To, yeah. So I, that's usually an indication of like if you're working that much where you like literally are counting the hours that are your free time, then you're working too hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, Heather, the third point in our article, common regrets that counselors have is not expressing themselves enough. Which is strange, right? I mean, I think sometimes with, I can see it, I don't do it necessarily with supervisees as much. I do it probably more with clients where there's certain stuff I'm not going to express during a mm-hmm. session. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be therapeutic or it wouldn't be whatever, but I think you get in that box, right? Yeah. We work with people all day long and help manage their emotions or help them think of other alternatives. So we're doing it all day for other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think as therapists as a whole, we just maybe don't do it as well. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. Yeah. I think this might be a shift happening in counseling. Yes, I agree. There's a huge as a shift. professional mm-hmm. that I think I don't know five plus years ago there was some expectation communicated that we were not supposed to express ourselves. Right. Like there was a certain amount of ourselves <laughs> we were not supposed right. to allow into sessions or express. Please be a robot. <laughs> Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like there was some some imaginary line in the sand where we weren't supposed to share that in session. And now I have I've met with supervisees or even clients who are counselors that are trying to figure that out mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how am I authentic and genuine in a session 
and draw a line of professionalism. And I think, you and I have talked about it in other sessions where we've talked, or other episodes where we've talked about social justice. Right. I think that's a version of expressing yourself and how much you do or don't do in a mm-hmm. session. Actually, you and I were just talking about this before we started. Given our the climate of our country right now, politics and right. things, then at what point do you express some of that? that? Right. What do you say? What do you not say? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it comes, even if you look at COVID, like mm-hmm. people right. experience that differently. They experience what they believe or not believe differently. And our job isn't necessarily to debate it with them. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it's case by case because mm-hmm. there's sometimes where it'd be plenty beneficial yeah. for a client to experience a therapist having a different opinion and still yeah. maintaining a relationship. Do you, I know I mentioned some of this in an earlier episode. I worked for a university and the message that they sent students was very, very clear and direct that they were telling students they could not, they were not allowed to self-disclose in sessions. And the way that I think about self-disclosure is that even in being who I am in a room, I'm self-disclosing something. Right. That And when I said that back to those same students, they were kind of appalled that, and when I say that, I'm saying being a woman, mm-hmm. I'm all, I'm self-disclosing something. Right. Being my age, I'm self-disclosing right. something. Being whatever it is that I, mm-hmm. even if I'm unintentionally communicating something about who I am, mm-hmm. I'm self-disclosing right. something. And the example that I gave that was really off-putting to all these students, I said, you communicate some amount of your sexuality. Absolutely. And all these poor graduate students, students like, went, no, <gasps> don't do that. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I went, well, I mean, without saying anything, all of you, assume, I've, I've not right. commented on my own sexuality, mm-hmm. but all I would be confident that all of you have made some assumption mm-hmm. about my sexuality, whether I've said it or not. Right. And that doesn't mean I'm being sexualized. No. But that just is, means there's, I'm, a, there's some communication right. about that. And if we pretend that it's not there, I think that's dangerous. Right. So you have to acknowledge that right. some of those things are there mm-hmm. or it, it potentially creates a problem. Right. Miscommunication or Yeah, But I agree with you. Else. The shift has definitely been yeah. strange and odd. So many articles we've read. We talked about one of them before on a previous episode. But counselors are experiencing the same things politically, the same yes. things like that everyone else is experiencing. And how much of that mm-hmm. do I mean, I have had some very close friends like check in with me. Like, mm-hmm. how are you doing? No, really. No, really. How are you actually managing this? What yeah. are you doing to take care of all of the things? Yeah. So. So I think it's complicated. I think not doing some of that makes, even just by trying to avoid it or not make it an issue, makes us unrelatable. Mm -hmm. Or to some people, I would think it would make us suspicious. Right. They might think like, you, I can visibly tell or I can sense that you're holding something back. I don't Mm -hmm. know what it is, but the fact that I can feel that you're holding something back makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We would feel that. We would feel that. Yeah, definitely. So I think there are some clients who would feel that too. Right. I had a request recently for a like new, if I was taking new Mm -hmm. clients 
And they were very specific on what political, I needed to tell them what political party wow. I allied with because they would not see a therapist that thought blah, blah, blah. Wow. So what, I, you, did you answer no. directly? Are you kidding me? I wasn't <laughs> going to take the client anyway. But I just very carefully crafted back. Absolutely yeah. would not come up and like, I would mean, not be something we, you know. I think it even communicates something how we're handling our practice right now. Right. If we are completely virtual or partly virtual mm-hmm. or completely in person or right. partly in person, all of that communicates some some opinion or perspective right. that we right. hold that is complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a whole new so podcast. I do think, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, I, can, I think we do a disservice to ourselves and our clients when we don't express ourselves, but you're right. Right now, there's so many ob- very obvious mm-hmm. ways that we are expressing ourselves intentionally right. and unintentionally. Right, exactly. Yeah. Number four, Heather, in our article, common regrets that counselors have is that they do not stay in touch with their friends. Mm-hmm. Do you think, have you experienced this or have your supervisees? I don't know my supervisees have. I, I could change the word friends, like to different. Like mm-hmm. I'm not great. Well, I'm not great at staying in touch with some of my friends, like from grad school that I was pretty close with then, mm-hmm. that I'm not close with now. But yeah. I moved across the country. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's like some different some space there. But I think that it... As far as my everyday friends, my people that are in my circle immediately, I don't have that experience. I uh-huh. stay in close contact with them. But maybe people that um, like former supervisors or things like that, maybe I would like to still be in contact with that just life got busy and I didn't. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. I think I do that. I make the effort to do it. I don't know mm-hmm. if it always happens as much as I would like or if the people that would stay in touch with me as much as they would like. I think unintentionally... I, I gravitate towards the people that I, I just feel inspired by. Right, right. Or like, pull like them into for your some circle, reason, right? right? And, <laughs> and then I hang on to them. I'm thinking through all the different phases or organizations I've been involved in. And I do think I've kind of hung on to the people that mm-hmm. I enjoyed. And I do think when any one of those people reaches back out to me, I'm very sure to respond. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If somebody, I'm thinking of my the school programs I've been involved in or previous jobs I've had, that if some of one of those people emailed me, I'd be quick to say, oh, yes, hi, hey, what's right. going on? How can I help? Mm-hmm. Or what are you doing? I'm mm-hmm. interested. I make a big point of this with supervisees. Right. That I emphasize when I finish up with someone, you need to find your people. Right. And I'm happy to be one of your people. Right. But if that means co-workers right now or past co-workers you need to hang on to those people that you feel safe with that you can confide in that you can find support in and i have i do have a lot of previous supervisees that will email me and ask for just reference be a reference Mm -hmm. be a recommendation letter refer to me ask me a question right i like that i like it too that kind of connection i really enjoy and Mm -hmm. i'm much more likely to do it when they connect with me mm-hmm. than I am to be the connector. I'm oh. good with being connector with certain. Yeah. What segments. What do you think keeps you from being the person who reaches out? I mean, seriously, I think I reach out when I need to. Yeah. Like when it's need based, like, yeah. hey, I need that referral for this specialty that I know you're involved in. Yeah. Then I'm more like, oh, that's to. true. I think I'm trying to think even in the last year where I've come across I know of someone who's looking to fill a position right. or I think, oh, they this is something they like that I'll go. Right. 
do you want this? Are you interested in this? Yeah. yeah. Or I'll pass their name along and go, hey, call this person. This is where they're at. This is how you can find them. And this is totally up their alley. Right. I'll do that. I think I like doing that, like making the connection, the connections, keeping connections. And I I have a specific friend that I've now I've worked in two different organizations with her and I'll tell her, well, yeah, I keep up with you because I keep the good ones. Right. Keep the good ones close. Yeah. We, that's why we (laughs) keep, you know, hang on to each other and keep up with each other because we appreciate each other Mm -hmm. because we are a support to each other in some way. Right. Heather, the final point in this article, common regrets that counselors have is don't worry, be happy, leading a happier life. Do you think you have thought about this, worked on this, or have your supervisees? I think I definitely have. Part of what I love about being a counselor and being a supervisor is that there is that flexibility. I'm in private practice, so I make my schedule. Last week, I went on spring break with my kiddos and we camped and my husband and I had a great time. Like our whole family had a great time. And I really probably only felt super comfortable doing that. Because I have my own practice. Mm-hmm. And I knew that about me a long, long time ago. And so I think that cultivating the kind of work I wanted to do led me to a happier lifestyle. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. overall happiness. Mm-hmm. I also think there is some happiness in getting a request for a new client and going, nope, don't want yeah. that. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. some way to look at that, that like you're in a place where you don't feel like you have to take every client. Yeah, I was going to say, I think new counselor, newer counselors have a harder time doing Definitely. that. Definitely. And you and I can say that to each other and laugh about it. But I think the longer explanation is you can say, no, I don't want that. And I don't think that this client is the perfect fit for me. There's some other counselor oh, that absolutely. is the perfect mm-hmm. fit for th- So for me and the client, it's a good thing for me to say, right. no, not this one. Right. Yeah. I think this is, at first, when we first read this, I don't think I was thinking about it this way, but this is something that I have not always been great at and see myself getting better and better at. And really through when you and I talk about things. Okay. That early on, I would have expected myself or wanted myself to just push through and make us oh, yeah. make a work situation mm-hmm. okay Oh, yeah. and expect that I was the factor that could change. And now I know I'm not always the only right. factor that can change. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the organization or the mm-hmm. situation that needs to change. Right. And no matter how hard I wish it or how hard I work, I'm not going to, I'm not the thing that's going to make the difference that sometimes the situation has to change. And so maybe that means letting go of that thing. Right. It's very important. I see supervisees do that too. I've seen, I've known supervisors. In fact, I've recommended supervisees do that. Right. That whatever situation they're in, they just think, well, if I just worked harder, if I just learned more, if I was just a better expert at Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z, then that would make the difference. But it it doesn't always, I don't think. it doesn't. So, but the way that I get better and better at this is that I am quicker to say, nope, I just don't think I'm going to make this situation work. Right. I find myself, right, in those positions where if I'm thinking about it too long, then it's not right. And -hmm. not just taking a new client, but if I'm thinking about a situation with a supervisee, if I'm processing through something and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're still thinking about this. It's been three days. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, hey, that thing we talked about, Mm -hmm. you just need to let that go because it's not something that is going to benefit you Three years from now, mm-hmm. you have to look at it more. Sometimes it's easy when they're uh, really focused on getting their hours done and really focused on just doing like all the things they can do to be a therapist to pick their head back up and go, yeah. hey, there's a human being in there that like needs to be fed and yeah, needs to make sure. I also think this is a cultural shift mm-hmm. and a generational shift mm-hmm. that for sure 
a generation older than you and I, they just stuck it out. They yes. just stuck out Absolutely. wherever they were at. They worked really hard. Mm-hmm. They were committed to what they were doing and they would just stick out a kind of crummy work situation for a really long time. And I think culturally and generationally, people aren't doing that in the same way anymore. I would agree. It's very different. There's much more of a focus on like, that doesn't work for me. I don't have to make it work. Mm -hmm. And I think what follows that is that organizations and companies have the same mindset. Right. That they Mm -hmm. also don't imagine sticking it out with someone and making it work over the long haul. Right. That they're more likely to move on and make a different decision. 100% agree. It's much easier for them to make that decision and go, there are other people out there that could do the same job. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's maybe a hard lesson for Counsel, new counselors to learn and something we all gain over time mm-hmm. that maybe because we're we believe in change and growth and right. we're more willing to stick it out but that doesn't always mean that it's going to end up happily ever after right yeah. okay well today we talked about common regrets that counselors have and we would love to hear about any regrets that you have experienced with you your career or your supervisees in the comments Thank you for listening today to Supervision with a Vision.